Hi, and welcome to the Remote Lab Podcast. I'm Anna Rex, and I've got another ginormous episode for you today. I could just not get enough of Kenneth Hellam, but I promise we'll get back to our shorter format soon. Maybe Maria will be better at this than I am. Well, hopefully you'll be able to take some of Kenneth's tips on building a remote company with you on your journey forward. He is a remote evangelist, he's a leading figure in the remote movement, and claims that life is better in flip-flops. Let's jump in! Hey, Kenneth, good to see you. The pleasure is mine. This is going to be a fun one. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to get started. Um, This episode is going to be a bit of an oddball, I think, a bit of a weird one. Uh, We're going to do kind of a twin episode and do a double up on the info in the amount of time we have, which is going to be great. So we're going to speak as fast as possible and delve into issues as they come along. So... Uh, Kenneth, you're the head of remote for Bellico, and we already met your colleague Sebastian in another episode of ours where we talked about Bellico's mission uh, with furniture as a service and being head of remote at such a company that's basically inventing the future as you go along. I mean, tell me about your role and how you got in there and like, what, what are your challenges and what are your insights? All right, that's like three or four questions in one, but, but let's just... let's just <laughs> I love to bundle them. <laughs> <laughs> let's hit the ground running. Um, so I, I guess before we even jump into the, the Bellico story, I can just recap some of my own stories and, the, and there is an episode. Uh, on the podcast for, for people who want to go deep. But about a year and a half ago, I moved to Spain. Um, I had a job at Google. Google were the first to shut down their offices. Uh, and they said, go work from anywhere. So I did. And I realized life is better in flip-flops. So when Google wanted everybody <laughs> to come back, I stayed in Spain. Um, wow. And then I had to figure out, okay, what do I want to do next time I grow up? What do I want to dedicate my life to? And I did a lot of soul-searching. Um, I had a lot of conversations and what came up in every single conversation was the future of work, remote, hybrid. I'm like, there's something here. I got to go deep. Right. I got to understand this remote thing. Right. So, so I started a podcast and I interviewed uh, the thinkers, the doers, the leaders of remote, trying to kind of take in all of their knowledge and expertise and, and make it mine. Uh, Share that back with my network. Um, and, and as a strategy, I use that platform, that network to go find myself a, a remote job. And, I, and mm. I didn't just want a remote job where I was able to work remote. Um, I decided I wanted to contribute to this remote movement, um, the future of work. In that process, right. I, I found Bellico uh, and I did a quick consulting gig with Bellico to, to kind of understand what we were doing, what our challenges were. Um, and, and what I figured out is that the products and services that Bellico offered to the market, subscription-based furniture for offices and home offices can be repurposed to help companies mm. go from in-office to hybrid to remote. We can help make their offices fit for perfect purpose. We can help empower those people outside of the offices. So, so that excited me. Not, not really the furniture part, um, but, <laughs> but it being a tool to, to help yeah. drive this movement. Sure. Um, so so I, uh, I spoke with Sebastian, obviously, and I said, hey, he wanted to bring me in as head, head of sales, VP of sales, and, and kind of lead our revenue. I'm like, sure, I can do that. But what I really want to do um, is to, to kind of lead this remote movement. And mm. he said, fine. 
Um, you could have both roles, but I'm just going to pay you for one. Uh, <laughs> good, on, good. That's good business. <laughs> so I said, okay, fine, I'll take them both. So, so now I wear two hats. Uh, you introduced right. me as head of remote, and I, and I see myself as head of remote. But, but on the the business card, that virtual business card, because nobody has business cards anymore, it says head of hybrid, and that's intentional um, because our point of view is that most companies are going to be a mix. Most companies are going to have an office presence and a work from anywhere presence. And we call that hybrid. We don't necessarily say that everybody has to go fully remote. Even though we see a lot of benefits in that, we believe that 70-80% of companies are going to live somewhere in between. Uh, and that's what we're offering to the market. So, so the title is Head of Hybrid. Um, and that's kind of how I came in. Uh, and now when I have that role in those, those two hats, Basically, my, my responsibility is first to lift Bellico, make Bellico a great hybrid remote team, put in place remote operating practices, enable people to be effective remote workers, enable leadership to, to be great at leading and managing in a remote world, and kind of proving to, to the world that we can do it. That's going to take a long time, obviously, so I'm not going to do this in parallel. I'm not going to wait until we're done. Because the second part of, of being head of hybrid is talking about that and being an evangelist. Right. So basically going out, telling the world how great this is. Mm, exactly. Um, talking about the benefits, talking about the challenges, um, which is also why we're having this this episode today. Sure. Absolutely. And I mean, it's just like you're you're really coming down to it because it's not a one size fits all it's it's not like a solution for everyone uh, but you really have to find your own way to do it and I think that's really smart uh, with with in the case of Bellico like both offering the operational hardware as it were to to set up offices in whatever manner you need them but also to offer the intelligence and how to maneuver that flexibility that space and how to set it up intentionally which is basically what I understand you're saying uh, to really have an intention and a purpose with what you're doing with your people no matter how you do it is that correct exactly exactly so it's it's not easy, and I hope I hope down the road, maybe five or ten ten years from now, it will be easy that there will be a playbook and there will be best practices saying that okay, if you're in this specific situation, these are the eight steps you need to take, or if you're in this little different situation, okay, you only have to do six steps, but they're a little different. So so I think over time we can build that guide, but it's so early days still, nobody really understands it. So, so I think it's very unique for every single company that they're going to have their own set of challenges um, that, that need to be, be tackled and overcome. Sure. Um, and there's a lot of talk on social media and within the research field of remote work to kind of marry together both theories of economy, economics and also uh, psychology, because there are people to deal with and you have to have brave conversations and you have to offer um, psychological safety and really move into uh, those territories that might or might not be super comfortable for leaders and CEOs and, and what have you. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like what sort of conversations do you see happening now as opposed to before? I think this varies by company size a lot. Um, so, so Bellica, we're a startup, we're, we're 30-ish people. Um, so for us, it's relatively flat and, and non-hierarchical. But if you see larger organizations, that the head of remote role kind of fits in between of everything. Uh, and that's unique. You haven't really seen that in a role before. It's, 
It's part uh, people management, HR, enablement. Um, it's part operations. These are systems, structures, processes. It's very much part leadership. This is how you uh, engage people, motivate people. Um, so, and there's a financial component to it as well. Okay, but by doing this, what are our cost benefits? What are our additional costs? So, so it, it hits smack in the middle of a pretty complex matrix. Exactly, and I think that's that's really um, that's exactly what we found in in our clients and in our research that that's really what it is. It's not just HR. Like we talked in the beginning of the pandemic and the beginning of remote work when that thing really happened that HR was moving into sort of a more of strategy component instead of being just like kind of a service in-house. Uh, but now I think you're on, you're, you've said it better that it really, it's part HR, but it's also strategy and it's also uh, just operations and how our systems are functioning and what kind of structures we're building internally to be, be enabling people to work from wherever they want. I think a big part of that debate in, in social media has been where should the head of remote sit in the organization? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. What's your opinion on that? <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the initial thoughts that, that, that went around probably closer to a year ago now, at least six months ago, that it's just the modern COO. Right. That, that the COO is someone who, who kind of sits next to the CEO and does all the things that the CEO doesn't want to do or, or isn't good at or doesn't have time to do. So it's just make the company work. Mm. Um, and I think there's some truth in that because there, there's a big part of operations in that role. But I do think it's broader. Uh, sure. I think you're doing yourself a, you're shooting yourself a little in your foot if you're saying it's just about the operations of the company because right. there's such a big people's component to it. Mm. If you look at the benefits, one of the biggest benefits is employee retention. Exactly. Right? Making sure your people are happy and that they want to stay. And another great benefit is being able to, to hire globally, um, right. attracting the best resources from anywhere um, and that goes far beyond the, the remit of kind of operations so I don't think you should try to pigeonhole it into into a function um, in a small organization I, I clearly think it's a leadership role um, right. so so in parallel to all of those others CXOs right right but, exactly. but in large organizations I guess you just got to kind of feel who is the most interested where, where, where does it naturally sit but if you don't have top leadership buy-in to that role, then you're going to be fighting uh, fighting yourself blue all the way to the bank. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying is really interesting, but it kind of really puts focus on like maybe the hierarchical structures that we've been trained to work within doesn't really serve us anymore. Might not serve what we're, what we're trying to do or where we want to go. Uh, so really, like you said, not pigeonholing it into something that's already existing, but really kind of taking a good look at the math. Like, what is this? Does this service or not? Like, how, what do we need? What sort of functions do we need? And what's the relationship between them in order for the business to work as a whole? So you're going to break down the pyramids. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I thought that was done in the 80s, wasn't it? <laughs> Somebody wrote a book about it. I'm not sure if it actually happened. Exactly. I'm not sure what he proposed instead. But uh, yeah, that's that's a fight we're in, I think. <laughs> so, so we can get philosophical about this. I, I have lots of great organizational structures that I truly believe in. One of my favorite books is uh, Frederick Laloux with Reinventing Organization. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I love that book. Yeah. When I read that, that took me down a rabbit hole, which led me to quitting my job, moving to India, meditating, writing. <laughs> 
so, so kids, kids, do not read this book. It, it's dangerous, powerful stuff. Do not try this at home. <laughs> not with like you know, interest rates being what they are. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in your job. Sit, sit still in the boat. That's what we say in Sweden, right? <laughs> exactly. Do not rock the boat. <laughs> no, I mean, we can philosophize about organizational structure for for a long time. One of the things I see as a challenge in this kind of remote discussion is philosophy. Um, because you and me and the people who are bought into it, we, we believe. We're true believers, right? Um, I even call myself an evangelist, and, and, and that doesn't sit right in everybody's mouth. A little bit of religious tone there, but okay, I'll let it go. You think? <laughs> <laughs> Just no, so, so, so I think it's important in having these dialogues to, to not make it too complex. Right? If we're saying, okay, you got to re be remote, but in doing that, you need to change your entire organizational structure and go towards uh, more, more kind of circular mm. team models. Mm, it's mm. just going to be too much for, for right. a lot of leadership who might not even be, be bought into leaving the office. Right. So, so I would say <laughs> start small, mm. step by step. Exactly. Um, start, with, start with a why. If you can't define why you're going remote or, or, or going hybrid, you're never going to succeed. Exactly. If you don't have that buy-in all the way from the top, then, then it's not even worth doing the effort. Exactly. I was in uh, this lovely conversation uh, earlier this week about middle management, uh, because middle management has traditionally been pretty, pretty yelled at, pretty, you know, scolded and blamed for different things uh, and usually like with the remote questions in particular we find that usually uh, the CEO or the head of the company is totally bought in it's like yeah let's do that and then you know it comes to middle management to actually implement and do something and change something and work with these questions um, and I we talked about like the, there's this huge responsibility to actually create change within these roles and what sort of, you know, uh, leeway might these people have and what sort of heroics can they actually achieve, which is really like, this is a step for for that section of, of the company map to really move forward and to really step up their game. Um, so with, I think they were in for some exciting times concerning that what, what challenges what challenges did you see there what what are they facing which is really really tricky to solve i think my experience is that it's um a big part of self-confidence in the role because it's been just so um just talked about in a bad way I mean, it's, like, it's always you know the middle manager's fault that something's wrong uh so we really need to Right, exactly. That makes it easy. That makes it easy. You got someone, exactly. someone and to blame. You know, they've been referred to as the permafrost between the CEO and the workers and whatever. And it's just, it's that kind of uh, just talking down to that role that sits in the way now because we need these people to be brave and to embrace change and do different things. But we've also spent decades telling them that they're no good and they, they can't do that and they're not able to change. Their, their only role is to kind of maintain structures as they, as they are. Uh, so it's really about kind of befriending that section of the, of, of the company, I think, to kind of build them up and see what they can do. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that before, that they've kind of been incentivized and trained to maintain structure. Yep. And now we're saying, throw it all up in the air. Yep. And it's hard because all of the status and all of the 
benefits are tied to maintaining structures and maintaining whatever lines you have or whatever um, just structures you're you're in charge of. I I usually say that hybrid or remote isn't more difficult than than in office. It's just no. very very different. Yeah, um, exactly. So so you have to unlearn so much to be able to mm. to relearn all the new things. Exactly, and I think it's really interesting because in in all of the attitude scans that has been that have been done uh, throughout the pandemic and the beginning of the pandemic, that we see that um, workers, generally employees, want to be able to choose. They want the flexibility that's consistent. Uh, but you also have leadership roles saying like, yeah, no, maybe not. We would love for them to come back to the office. Uh, and really, when you like dig a little deeper into why that is, it's it's a lot to do with. Uh, that group of people, leaders and managers, seeing themselves as done. They're, you know, they're trained. They've been managers or leaders for a while. They know how to lead people. They know what to do. They don't want to do it differently. They deserve they that spot. It, it, they've worked their way up exactly. that, yeah, <laughs> that, that sure. ladder. And they have, and you know, this way has been working go. forever. <laughs> right? Exactly right. Uh, so it's just like the incentive, like you said, to, to relearn and unlearn uh, is really low. Because we haven't really shown them, like, what are the benefits? Like, if you make this change, like, what would what's in it for you? One of the things that I found is that there's a lot of excitement early in the process. All right, everybody gets yeah. around the table and like, yeah, I've read the reports, I've uh, I've seen the, the the input in LinkedIn. It's got to be the right <laughs> thing. And then people yeah. go on this this journey and they start making some changes for for all the right reasons. But when the going gets tough. Mm. And the going will get tough in any mm. company, in any setting. There's going to be ups and downs. And as long as there's ups, everyone's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, go off, do your little remote thing. Uh, but then when the world gets yeah. tough and, and you're not hitting your results and people start questioning it, like maybe it's this remote mm. thing that's the enemy here. Everything was so good before yeah. and, and it wasn't because there was ups and downs before mm. as well. But as soon as things start becoming difficult, it will get very, very scrutinized. And the people who are used to working in a mm. in a certain way will fall back to that way um, unless motivated to to do something different. Sure. I'm gonna challenge you a little bit and see if, if you if you have seen it as well. Um, because I totally agree with you. Like the first meetings with clients, like, oh yeah, let's go. I've read everything. I have like the intellectual argument all you know clear for me. It's I know exactly why we need to do this. But then when it comes to actually changing behaviors, uh, and when it, it becomes apparent, oh, I have to change my behavior. It's just not it, it's not them, the other people in my organization that have to change, but actually me too. That's a hard spot. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry, it I was just you know. Have you seen that as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Move on. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But but let's let's turn it into an interesting question then. Um, given that we both mm -hmm. believe in this, that the change is hard when it hits yourself. What can we do to kind of reward that change? I think that's a fun question. Wow. Yeah, that is a fun question. So I kind of instinctually, instinctively want to go to like starting a new exercise regime or like doing another change in your life personally. Like how would I, because obviously you will have tough mornings there as well, going to the gym um, and kind of, I would just try to, person, for me personally, um, 
I would just try to kind of sit with that feeling. It's like, oh yeah, I don't feel like doing this today. It feels really awkward. Um, but I know that this is the better thing and I will be better for going through it. Um, so I'm just going to ease my way into it and do it anyway, even though it's awkward and weird. Because, you know, obviously I could line up all of these intellectual arguments like, well, you know, it's probably not a good idea and the revenue and this and that. That would be the easy way to go. But to actually sit with the feeling and examine why is this uncomfortable? I like that. And I have a hack. I'll, I'll add to that. Oh, I'll let me know. Because what you're talking let about me know. is kind of small behavioral changes in your life. Right? Starting yeah. to go to the gym because you have the ability now that you're working from home, for example. Right? That's one. I like it. But it's a right. little small. I would say... Th- <laughs> yeah. I took I the easy way out. Think, yeah. Okay. So call me out. <laughs> if the whole purpose of... Yeah remote not going to an office is freedom and flexibility right what is the right maximum version of freedom and flexibility oh wow that's hard what is the maximum version (laughs) i think that's that's unique and different for everyone so so for me it's being able to live and and work from malaga right i'm not spanish right born in norway american mom lived in sweden but with remote work i can live anywhere I can go on an adventure any day. Right. Right. So, so I changed my entire life. And because of that, it's a pretty easy conversation to have with myself. My motivation is pretty clear. I yeah, look out so- the window and I see the Mediterranean. Mm. Right. That's not necessarily everybody's dream or goal, but go on a vacation. Right. Like next time you're planning a weekend trip to Amsterdam, <laughs> go for two weeks. Yeah. Right. Make it three weekends. Mm. One weekend, week would work. Another weekend, week would work. Third weekend. That is all possible now. It's not even going to cost you that much more because it's the same flight. There's the accommodation in between there. Maybe you're able to rent out your house or your living space during that period of time. But start rethinking what are some of the real benefits you can get from that freedom and flexibility. And I think when you're starting to live that, when you're in Amsterdam... Having fun, going out at night, exploring the city, going on bicycle rides, then your questions internally isn't going to be, is this remote thing really worth it? Because then you're <laughs> going to be living in it, you're going to be feeling it. Yes, of course it's worth it. And I'm still yeah. able to do my job. I'm, I'm still doing the same amount of hours. I'm still interacting with my team. And I think the more people who do that and actually live the benefits, not yeah. just talk about the benefits, mm-hmm. um, I think the easier the change is going to be. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that one. And I realized like we're, we're touching upon the same thing, like really tasting it and getting it, feeling it out. But I had this like tiny, tiny example. And you're like, OK, let's jump in with both feet and swim out to sh- from shore. <laughs> like, OK, okay let's do that. <laughs> or do a year abroad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So th- these things are, are the things we talk about, like with, with remote, mm. we can work. But people are still at home. People are still stuck in their routines. They're not really gaining these great new benefits that we rationally think about but 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 i want everybody to feel it and experience it that sounds like a good 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 advice actually to be brave about one's own life right that's why we're doing it no well yeah obviously (laughs) but it's just like it's not the front of mind thing i guess for everyone all the time it's like okay so why am i going to work because i want freedom (laughs) we're we're all stuck in routines and yes and that's the hardest part of change it's to break mm -hmm. those routines and and do new things. Hmm. 
and and for everyone that that's not the travel part's not necessarily the the important thing maybe it's something else maybe it's spending time mm. with an elderly parent mm. right maybe, maybe that's my reason for wanting the flexibility and then mm. ask yourself how much did you actually do that was it twice today exactly or was it that one time on the sunday because that's what you always go see your your elderly parent Right, right, right. So, so figure exactly. out your own motivation, right? And, and really go all in on it. So like the general tip would be some serious soul searching. Maybe not like moving to India, going to an ashram for, you know, six months. Even though that could be it, but it's hard, doesn't have hard, to harder be. to work from ashrams in India, to be honest. The, the Wi-Fi <laughs> <Yeah>. is poor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have a spiritual connection instead. It's a different thing. <laughs> you can't just pray yourself to results. <laughs> really though <laughs> depends on the result depends on the result exactly <laughs> but yeah i think it's really interesting too like what that this time and these possibilities also calls from us is the opportunity to be brave with ourselves and really sit with our own needs and wants and visions for ourselves and our lives and i think those are so connected right if we're doing it for those reasons mm -hmm. we also got to do it for those reasons we, we 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 gotta stop being so rational about it. The the, the rational parts about this, but mm. but the benefits are are new. Uh, so, so we we need to kind of really mm. re experience those benefits. But let's let's dig a little into some of the complexities because I think that's what we talked about mm. last time you and I connected, and and I was going through a tough time. I was like, oh, it's difficult now. Um, and I think mm. maybe a lot of our listeners can relate to this because going through this change isn't going to be easy. So maybe if right. I start with you, what are what are some of the challenges that you see with your clients who, who are going through a transformation? Mm. Well, I think what I see is like something we've also kind of touched upon through this conversation. It's like it's never the problem that's the problem. Um, usually something manifests as a problem, but it's really the underlying logic or behavior or, you know, thoughts or feelings or whatever. It's always a human component uh, at the bottom of it. And you have to kind of dare to dig through it um, and to help people being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like you said, it's not going to be easy. It's, we're going to be learning as we go. And that's not a mindset that comes naturally for us we want to find the solution and we want to go because that's what we've been putting on our cvs for you know 50 70 years like we're really good problem solvers um so we have to solve problems all the time but sometimes we have to really th think through what the problem actually is before we try to solve it so that's what i'm trying to get my clients to really do to sit with the problem and see what is actually the problem underneath here um, and, you know, we've been talking about this for, for a long time, but obviously in, in going remote or setting your organization up for hybrid or all of these questions, it really comes to a turning point that these are humans and there are humans' wants and wishes in here. And how do we train our people? How do we have these conversations with our people to be comfortable with being uncomfortable? F fully agree. Couldn't agree more. I think you put it well. To, to me, it's not about the 20% increase in productivity. Right. That's one of the stats we can put no, there. Right. Go hybrid, go remote. You're 20% yeah. more productive. Is that worth the fight? Yes. Maybe over time, maybe over time, 20% right. increase in productivity is worth it. But if that's the mm. only thing you're fighting for, 
that it's going to be a long uphill battle. But what I do think, mm. and kind of the part of the underlying argument here is that people want to be free. And when they experience that, and not everybody has, right? But when they experience that, no, sure, they will gravitate towards opportunities where they're able to be free. Right. But how do, have you like have you seen with with your people with your organization or in other settings? Um, like, does everyone instinctively know what it is to be free for that person? Most or don't. Do they need right? Yeah. It's like, how do you work with that? I'll probably argue I That's don't, okay. right? I'm, I'm learning, I'm working, and, and I'm taking it pretty far. Um, if you look at digital nomads, a subset, a small subset of the remote group, I, I think they're probably the best experts on being free. They, they travel, that's part of their identity, trying new things and places, um, and, and work often, I'm not saying all digital nomads, but, but work often comes second. That the primary is the, the freedom and flexibility to live and work everywhere. And, and they're happy when they find work that can support that. So, so, so take some inspiration from them. I think most other people don't necessarily want to travel like a digital nomad. I don't. Right? I want to have a community and a place to live and my friends. It doesn't have to be Sweden, but, but I want to have a, a place to call home. So I, I think most people don't want that. So, so that freedom... Maybe it's more about when I work or how I work than where I work. I think a lot of the discussion right now is about where you work. Is that in an office? Is it at home? Is it a co-working place? Is it a cafe? All of those are possible. But I think it's more about, okay, I am responsible for delivering a result. I should have the freedom to decide how I deliver that result as long as I do. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think you're really onto something there because we when we talk about this it's also about flexibility in in more ways than one in more ways than space it's also time it's also the ways of working all of those things but i think it's really really interesting like what what we've also seen uh what i'm sure you've seen as well is that um, not everyone is super clear about what are my responsibilities and what are the individual tasks that I need to do that build up to these results. So quite often we need to also kind of just dig through like what is your role, what is your responsibility, what sort of output do you have here, um, what sort of time do you need to produce these results, do you need like collaboration time, do you need uh, alone time or wh what do you need and what sort of tools do you need. Um, because usually like everything this like this is all handed to you at the beginning of your employment like this is your boss and this is your cubicle and this is your computer so just like do whatever the boss says and don't think so much but now you do know that the cubicle is dead right yeah i know I just know. just checking just checking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i i fully agree um and and that was the, the first challenge we we tackled at medical mm. So, so when I came in, uh, a part of my onboarding was to do an assessment. Oh, wow. What are we good at? What are we, good at? What are we not so good at? Mm -hmm. What is holding our, us back? What are the, the things we want to implement in what order um, to be able to, to go towards hybrid and, and remote? Oh, wow. Walk us through that. What did you find? So <laughs> you, you're going to be, you're not going to be surprised, but at the same time, you're probably going to laugh. All right. Um, the first big things that we discovered had nothing to do with hybrid or remote. Mm. We needed to articulate our vision and values. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
I, I was asking around the organization, like, okay, what, what do we do and why do we do it? Yeah. And I got 20 different answers. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they weren't radically different, but they also right. weren't the same. Right. Right. And that's key. And I think everybody had a good idea of our vision. Uh, and we are a vision led company, but we've never defined it. We've never written it down. Right. Um, so there were variations. Same with culture. I think we, we have similar values, mm. but not the same. Mm. And, and we don't know from a company perspective, which ones are the most important ones. Mm. So when we're making decisions now, we're not making them out of first principle. Right. So, so every decision kind of becomes complex because we don't know what values are guiding us. Right. Exactly. Because everyone so that has... was that one. And that's still ongoing. I'm, yeah. I'm not claiming we're great at it, but we've started the work of defining this as a company initiative. Right. So that we have our, our North Star. Mm. That's number one. Number two, still not hybrid remote. Goals. Right. OKRs. Right. Uh, agree what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And how we break that down first with teams and then with individuals. Mm. So we're true quarter OKRs now. And we're learning as we go. Nobody <laughs> ever gets it right the first time. Um, passion project of mine. But we have goals and we are tracking our goals. And, nice. and we are moving in the right direction. Looking forward to the next kind of loop on that. Yep. So, so that was the second one. Still haven't spoken about hybrid or, or remote. Those two, any company will need to do that mm. be- before engaging on this journey. But then again, don't do it sequentially because then you'll never be done, mm. right? Because each of these activities aren't ever going to be done. No. But, but figure out which ones are the highest priorities and put most of your fire behind those. Yes. Then if I talk about some of the hybrid and, and remote ones, one of the things that, that we saw is that we're not very great at communicating. Hmm. How so? We... Communication would be be split between different forums, different tools. Oh, okay. Um, so not visible might, for everyone? Not visible for everyone. We, we use Slack. We love to use Slack. But do we use Slack in the best way? Probably not. How do we do with company-wide communications? What is documented? Um, it felt very ad hoc. So, so that's the part that we've been working on. Uh, we've been talking in, in teams individually. How do we communicate better? What is the best forums? We haven't written down a communication strategy yet because I don't think we have a good enough baseline to decide what's right for us as a company. But what we have done is we've started uh, practicing asynchronous communications. So we use Loom, uh, a video recording tool for, for anything that is messaging. So if I'm doing a status update, I'll do that in Loom. I'll ask my team for their status updates in Loom. That keeps a record. We can look at it on our own time. Uh, and it eliminates lots and lots of status meetings, which, which aren't very value generating. So we've done that very successfully. Another thing we're doing uh, is implementing decision processes um, where instead of all coming together to try to make a decision, we, we document it first. We, we circulate that document. We get feedback from everyone. And then if the decision maker can make a decision, they will. Cool. Uh, we don't have to call the meeting. Right. And then and four out of five times, it's pretty straightforward. Nice. There's enough information. Make a decision. Move on. Saves everybody a lot of time. Right. And in that fifth one, we do call a meeting and we would discuss it. But but then with the with, basis with of the information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. So that's, that's, an, that's another early one that we've been yeah. practicing with and, and that we see value from. Mm-hmm. 
It's also the one that the one the first that falls when we get stressed. <laughs> exactly, because that's an actual behavior change. <laughs> that's a hard yeah. one. So it's really then you fall, easy to fall, fall back, back to previous patterns. Yeah, exactly, because it's just not that secure in your brain yet to work that way. Interesting. Mm. So, I mean, what I hear you say is that like the first things you found that you needed to work on were the actual structures to support whatever work you need to do. So it's vision, values, goals, documentation, all of those things that everybody really could just take a good look at within their own company. Like, where are we? Are we aligned on this? Like, are these structures really supporting the work we're trying to do or is it impeding it somehow? Um, and usually when I um, also go out to talk to companies, like the first thing is usually just remove any obvious obstacles. Like whatever you have in your organization that does not support or actually actively hinders whatever you're trying to do, just remove that and see what mm. happens. Would you agree with that? No, I, I like that. And, and we haven't removed all of them, to be honest. Right. We still have our monthly Monday breakfast in the office. Oh, yeah. Kind of difficult for me to attend. Super difficult. How do you do that? Yeah, I don't. You don't? Right. No. And, and we talked about it because most of our people are still Stockholm based. Mm. So there's still right? that tradition. And we, and we do see a value of having an office. Sure. Right. And we do see a value of having people come together. Mm. So, so it's one of those traditions we don't want to break. Mm. Uh, and the cost of that is, OK, I'm not included in that. Mm. But there's just one of me. Um, if half of the team weren't there, we would have had to make a different decision. Right. But for that one, it's not perfect but it's okay. Yeah. And I think that's important. Don't go for perfect. Be mm. be practical about a lot of these things. That's good advice, Kenneth. Don't try to be perfect because you're not here to be right. You're here to get it right, right? I like that. Yeah. Mm. And I, I, mean, I stole it from Brene Brown. She usually says that. Not here to be right, but here to get it right. And I love that because it's just like that's what we're all trying to do, right? Uh, and I think, well, like, to your point about, like, for, for with this breakfast, for instance, uh, what I'm kind of getting from you is that the key is the transparency to be able to talk about it. Like, oh, so this is inconvenient. You have this tradition. I won't be able to make that ever. Um, are we okay with this? Can we talk about it and just have that conversation? Because the, the default mode would be just to not talk about it because it's super uncomfortable and somebody's scared to step on somebody's toes. I, you know. Mm. And I think make sure to lift those things. Don't, don't let it turn into something uncomfortable. Mm. But at the same time, pick your battles. Sure. This breakfast isn't where we're going to have the, the most value in changing a process. No, exactly. But would you say that it's actually your call, like to since you're the one that's not being able to make it there, um, it's really your call to say if it's okay or not? I don't think we've gone that far to to give a kind of a decision mandate to to make a process around that. No, and I don't think that I should be the one making that call. To be honest, uh, I think it's better to look at the totality of the organization. What are what are the benefits and the drawbacks? Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably better. This could be different from every any organization. And I, I know that a lot of the remote heavy organizations will, will say, be structural about it, right? Everything mm -hmm. has to be remote first, like put in place mm. that and, and then you'll succeed. There's a lot of value mm. in that yeah. argument, but, but every company is different. 
Exactly. And it really comes back to your earlier point about like that depends on what your vision of success is. Yeah. And, and we don't want to leave the office. We believe in the office. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you're furnishing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Looks nice. We have a nice office. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we're also furnishing home offices. So, so don't get me wrong. Exactly. I mean, people are going to need to sit somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So, okay. So kind of just to kind of move forward, like um, when I catch up with you a year from now, yeah, because uh, I fully intend to, like, what do you hope to tell me then? Where are you then? That's a great question. I'll answer as a company, not as an individual. Um, sure. As a company, we have grown uh, a lot. Our goal is to, to triple our revenue this year. And the only way we can do that is become, by becoming global. Um, so what we're building, our structures are enabling us to become global, right? So with new processes, with, with new, new rituals, we can hire fast wherever we need to. Um, so when we talk next time, I'd say that at least a third of our staff are not in Sweden. Okay. A third of your staff not in Sweden. Maybe, All right. Maybe a little higher. Yeah. Um, so, so that's one kind of from a hybrid uh, perspective. The other one is that we published our playbook. We haven't even started today, but we published our playbook. And, and that means a lot. It, it, it's, it's not just to, to hit the publish button, but it means that we've gotten very far in documenting, agreeing first and then documenting our, our ways of working. Um, and those processes are going to be remote friendly. Um, they're not all going to be 100% remote. I don't think that's our target, but, but we will have a, a clear idea. Everybody in the team will know how we do whatever we do. So, so I think that that's a activity goal, um, which has lots of benefits to it. And then I think that the third one, which is probably the most important one to me, is that not everybody, but a large percentage, let's say, let's throw a number out there, 75% of the team has experienced firsthand the benefits of being a hybrid remote company. Hmm. Um, and that could be having gone for a vacation, or that could be having significantly changed their habits, um, ways of working, ways of living, um, mm -hmm. and that they feel that that's because of Bellico's decision to go hybrid. Right. That's a good list. That's a really good list. So I've written that down now. Uh, so next year in and March. And it's on the internet for everyone to, to exactly. listen to. Exactly. So, now it's out so there. So keep me accountable. <laughs> I sure will. It's going to be really interesting because I have a feeling you're going to surprise me, whatever I catch you with. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question. I really, uh, really appreciate that. And I think it's important that it's... It's a team journey for us. Oh yeah, right. Mm -hmm. I'm not the one putting this in place. Right, you're all you all are. I'm I'm just a facilitator. Yes, you're asking the questions. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Is that a good place to um to, to end it, Anna? I think so. Yeah, I th I just wow, you've left me with so many things I have to think about, and um, so thank you, thank you for sharing your journey, and thank you for just guiding us through like what you've been through and what you're struggling with and how you're doing this journey together with your team which is really beautiful i i really appreciated this conversation i think just reflecting upon it myself being asked tough questions um keeps me me honest 
uh, keeps me on on my toes. Yeah. Uh, so I think with this, we'll be able to to go back and be an even better version of, of Bellico than we are today. Nice. I love that. That's great. So yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for thanks for your time, Anna. Wow, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. And I think my main takeaway is to do your homework when you embark on change. It is a learning journey. And we might not know from the start where the speed bumps are going to be. Practice on being uncomfortable, lean in to hard conversations, and make sure everyone knows what the vision and the goals of the business are. Similar is not the same. Other than that, let's try to maximize our freedom, people. See you next time.